Hey everybody, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined as I always am by our Wild Varsity Preps writer, Brady Oltmans, who is on the phone in Casper. Brady, what's happening? Um, it's good. It, um, it's good. We had a it's kind of been a busy week getting ready for um, kickoff at just like you are um, down in Laramie this week, uh, but we're getting ready for football season. So it is it is what it is. There's no stopping it. So you just as well lean into it. It's here, man. It's here. So whether it's, you're ready for it or not, that it uh, is, my guy. That it is. Yeah, so this podcast is going to be a little bit different, Brady, um, because we have a guest on this week's episode. So um, me and you will talk about uh, Missouri game coming up, um, and then we will uh, make some season predictions, or I will at least. You're you uh, you're more than welcome to make some uh, if you want to and then I will talk to Gabe DeArmond, uh, publisher of PowerMizzou.com, a part of the Rivals Network, uh, who covers this Missouri team every day and will give us some perspective from the other side and, and really give us uh, some uh, analysis on uh, what he's seen from Missouri during fall camp and kind of what, what he expects uh, and what's expected sort of this Missouri team that's got a lot of ex- high expectations going into this season with Kelly Bryant, obviously taking over at quarterback. So, I mean, you will talk this first segment, and then uh, I will talk to Gabe in the second segment, and then we'll sign off at the end of this first segment. But uh, if you're listening, don't don't stop listening after the first segment because then uh, we will we'll dive into a conversation with Gabe uh, in the second segment and let that. Uh, play out to uh, end the podcast so that's the plan uh, Brady but let's go ahead and just dive into this uh, Wyoming and Missouri on tap for Saturday um, fi- uh, 5.30 kickoff Saturday night at War Memorial Stadium game will be showing on CBS Sports Network and you know I've been pretty consistent I mean unless you know M- Missouri catches some team-wide flu or <laughs> Um, you know, Wyoming is able to force them into at least four or five turnovers. Um, yeah, I, I just – I don't see Wyoming being able to win this game. Um, you know, it's – I do think Wyoming can be more competitive. Um, you know, for one thing, they're, they're more healthy uh, going into the season opener than they were last year going into the uh, Missouri game, which was their third game of the year. And – um, you know, they were banged up going to that game, and they got even more banged up because that was the game that they lost C.J. Colden and Josh Harshman for the rest of the season. Um, but they are pretty relatively healthy. You always hope to avoid some of those non-contact or even contact season-ending injuries, you know, during camp. Obviously, they had didn't get completely unscathed in that aspect since they lost Revante Holt uh, to a torn ACL for the year. Uh, but Trey Smith, the running back, um, who basically had essentially missed um, all of practice last week uh, with a concussion. He has cleared concussion protocol and has been a full participant in practice uh, this week. So, um, you know, Craig Bull said Wednesday that, um, you know, they, they're uh, as healthy as they've been and they're, they're all ready to go. So, I mean, they're healthier. And I just think Wyoming's a better team. And, and in some aspects, they – they just can't be a whole lot worse. Obviously, Sean Chambers taking over at quarterback. I think this offense is going to be more balanced. Uh, I think they're, I think they're going to be better in the passing game. But the, but here's the thing. I mean, Wyoming might be better, but obviously with Missouri with some of the additions and some of the pieces they have back. I mean, that's I think that's going to be a better football team this year than they were last year. And, and I mean, it m- might be sound weird, but um, you know, I think. Wyoming could could be probably more competitive in this game than they were last year and still lose this game by three or four touchdowns if Missouri turns out to be that good. Uh, because I, I do think Missouri could end up just being um, that much better of a team. Uh, I saw where the opening line um, for this game, uh, Missouri was favored by 14 at the beginning of the week uh, in Vegas, and that line has gone up to 17 and a half. So, I mean, Vegas – thinks this is going to be a three-touchdown win for for uh, Missouri. Um, I do think Wyoming can, can keep it closer to that, but they're going to have to play a really good game. 
And again, like I mentioned, the turnovers. I think I think for this game to be, you know, really competitive come the fourth quarter, and by that I mean, you know, maybe a touchdown or a ten point game at that point. I think Wyoming's going to have to be at least plus two in the turnover margin, um, and then they're going to they're going to have to obviously they're going to have to move the ball offensively. I mean, everybody that kept up with his Wyoming team last year knows that offense and particularly the passing game was the bugaboo and was essentially why this team, you know, finished six and six and, and missed out on a bowl. Um, so, um, you know, just going to be interesting to see, you know, how this, uh, if, if this Wyoming team this year can sort of close that gap on Missouri and, and give them a real game. Um, obviously, you know, coming up to Laramie, only the second time that Wyoming has ever hosted an SEC team. There, And when you have a team outside of the Mountain West that, that comes to Laramie, that it's – you know, everybody likes to make a big deal about the uh, elevation here, and I, I just I don't think it'll be as big of a deal with an SEC team coming here because they just have there's so much more depth on those teams, and um, you know they they can start rotating you know their second and maybe even some of their third team guys in you know second quarter, late first half, um, and, and sort of keep fresh that way. So with, with a team with that much depth that the, that uh, SEC teams usually have, I, I just I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal I don't think it's going to be that much of an advantage for Wyoming if if at all but you know the interesting thing that that I'll sort of be keeping an eye on and and that I I think has to happen um, for Wyoming to to keep this game close and stay competitive is getting off to a fast start I mean if if Missouri is is up 14 to nothing midway or late in the first quarter I think that thing could get ugly uh, by the time it's over um, you know this this offense is not built, or traditionally has not been built, and we'll see. You know, obviously, what this offense looks like this year with Sean taking over on a full time basis and them expanding the playbook and really trying to open things up. But uh, it's it's not built this physical, you know, r- run first play action team uh, that Craig Bowl uh, that, that style of football that Craig Bowl likes to play. It's not built to come from behind. And I think if they fall behind, uh, you know, really early, that's that. I think it's, it might end up spiraling on them. Um, and then, and sort of picking back off of that, this team, in order to do that, I think this team is it's going to have to stay ahead of the chains offensively. You know, if you get, um, you know, if you're setting up with with second and nine or second and long, third and long, uh, and and stay in obvious passing situations, and Missouri, this Missouri defense is able to pin its ears back. Again, we talked about style of offense with Wyoming. This offensive line is not really built to, you know, protect for uh, 35, 40 passes. I mean, if if Sean Chambers ends up throwing more than 35, 30, 35 passes in this game, I think that Wyoming's in deep trouble. Uh, Because I think that means not saying that Sean can't go out there and do it, um, cause we'll, I mean, we'll, obviously we'll all find out together exactly what, what he looks like as a passer and what he's going to be able to do, uh, you know, under pressure right off the bat when you have this, this Missouri team coming in here. But, uh, you know, that's probably, if that happens, it's probably an indication that Wyoming fell down early and has had to play catch up the whole game. And, um, you know, I, I think if, uh, I think he, that needs to stay probably between 20, 25 pass attempts, uh, for Sean, um, I think that would be a better indicator of how that game's going and uh, Wyoming being able to stay in it just in terms of how they play offense. So I think for, for Wyoming to stay close in that game, um, you know, obviously they're going to have to play really well right off the bat, um, you know, get, stay away from the turnovers um, and stay ahead of the chains and, and keep that uh, Missouri defense guessing. Yeah. I mean, it it does play into Wyoming's favor that it is a season opener for both teams. Um, You're going to have rust. Both teams are going to have rust. Both teams are going to be a little shaky. Um, It does work in Wyoming's favor also that they've kind of, like you said, escaped uh, preseason or fall camp and the first couple weeks of the season without any serious non-contact injuries or anything like that. Um, But it's... This isn't New Mexico State, which is where Wyoming started its season off last year. You know, it's not. It's it's a different beast when you start your season at home with an SEC opponent coming in. 
And that's really the ty- the type of team that Craig Bowles is trying to shape them into is a team that is formed and molded by games like this. And it's only going to make Wyoming better. It, facing facing challenges like this one early, especially in the first game, it might not look great to you know to face the likelihood of a what could be like a nineteen and a half point spread by the time that thing's actually kicked off at five thirty Saturday night. Yeah. But because uh, I'll be honest, I'm going to talk like Wyoming's already lost the game because. That's I, I'm taking the over on that over under because um, you know me I, I I just sold my kayak and Daddy's got to pay <laughs> the electric bill in a week so um, but uh, but also speaking on that is Missouri's going to be better than they were we've already seen um, just last week we saw a Mountain West team beat a, a Power Five team with a dynamic exciting quarterback. But what happened? So many Arizona turned that ball over so many times, and and you, you of course Hawaii? Hawaii, yeah, sorry, Hawaii turned that ball over so many times to even keep Arizona still in the game, and that's that is Wyoming doesn't face that exact same situation that Hawaii did. This is Arizona is not Missouri. <laughs> Missouri is yeah. a much better team without a doubt has a better quarterback, you know, albeit without like the, the I mean Kelly Bryant still has the spotlight on him, but in a diff, but it shines on him in a different way, um, I believe. And Wyoming might be a little better than Hawaii, but I mean well I guess we'll get to find out this season. But Well they don't play I, each other. Man, so I don't know if we will. Well, right, we we won't we won't find out head to head, but yeah. so yeah, so I guess we won't really find out. But like, if one team is significantly better than right. the other one yeah, in the yeah. standings, I guess we'll see how it shakes out. Right. But um, it's it's gonna be rough. Wyoming fans need to also need to hunker in and know that if this Wyoming team faces adversity early, that's not a time to to jump ship. I know they're getting. They're trying to get a sellout. They're getting a couple of sections sold out. If you're a Wyoming fan and you come down to see Missouri, stay at least until uh, until five minutes are left in the third quarter. I know it's going to be late. I know you want to get home, you up and backers. But support your team. Stick around. Watch the damn thing. Because this Cowboys team might turn out to be pretty darn good. Yeah. And if you're just gonna if you're gonna bail on them in the first game because they're playing a team that could legitimately end up being you know eight nine wins possibly top ten or top twenty yeah. top fifteen team in the country then shame on you because that's not a team Wyoming's gonna face all year and frankly you're you should really appreciate what you see out of Missouri this weekend in addition to the Pokes yeah and let, let's be realistic man I mean this is a Missouri team that is probably going to be ranked at some point this season. They are in the AP preseason poll. They are receiving the most votes of any unranked team. I mean, they're they're essentially 26th. Uh, So, I mean, look, this is a really good Missouri team. I think most, even the most optimistic Wyoming fans, I think have to be realistic about that. Say Wyoming, they're going to have to play a near flawless game uh, just just to have a chance at, in the fourth quarter at this thing and, and pull off the upset. But here's the thing, you know, when you when you op- even if you don't pull off the upset, uh, you know, opening the season against this caliber caliber of opponent, it it ex- it, it exposes you. It, it shows you uh, or gives you a more accurate gauge, I guess, of exactly where your football team is after one week, rather than you know if Wyoming were to open the season against. Uh, you know, like like a New Mexico State or, or some FCS team or some team that you're going to go out there and beat by three or four touchdowns. And, you know, you're sitting there and say, well, were we really that good in this aspect? We're really, I mean, you don't know. When you go out there and play an inferior opponent that, you know, a lot of these uh, college football teams like to play, you know, just to get that win, you know, get, and get some momentum going at the beginning of your season – um, you know, you don't have really get a real accurate gauge of where your team is when you go out there and beat some team by five touchdowns. So, you know, they're probably not going to win this game, but you're they're going to know exactly 
uh, you know, what they need to work on, what what areas maybe they are better in than maybe they thought going through camp, what areas they are obviously not uh, as far along in as maybe they thought they were. You're gonna you're gonna get that gauge right off the bat. So I think that's you know that that's the positive you know win or lose of this game. I mean, you're not going to play a more talented team this year than Missouri uh, if you're Wyoming. So. You know that that's something to uh, something to keep in mind. But I'm going back just to the matchup. I'm going to be fascinated to see how Wyoming approaches this game, but on both sides of the ball. And first of all, offensively, when you're talking about this style of offense that Craig Bowl runs, uh, you know that was, they they want to run the football. That's what they want to do. Craig Bowl has talked about that as much as anything. Uh, you know, all through camp and leading up to the season. Uh, despite the fact that they obviously had a, a 1,300-yard rusher last year in Nico Evans and finished fourth in the Mountain West in rushing, he, he wasn't happy with the way they, they got, got – or the lack of push, I guess, that they got consistently all year up front. I mean, they – you know, th- this team is, is known for its physicality. It wants to bully people up front. It wants to get pushed. It wants to blow people off the ball. Problem is, I don't envision a scenario where Wyoming is going to consistently – blow Missouri's defensive line off the ball. And I just wonder, you know, if they're consistently in in second and eight, third and ten, second and twelve, uh, because that, that Missouri defensive front is pretty damn good. And uh, you know, you wonder if 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 they don't get much traction going in their running game, how stubborn they're gonna be. Uh, you know, because at some point, if it's not working, man, you got to go to something else, and I just I want I wonder if they'll be a little more uh, unpredictable early in their possessions, uh, and not do you know first and ten inside run every possession. You know I think they they they're they're gonna have to mix it up. It's gonna be interesting to see if they might come up come out passing to try to set up the run and and, and loosen up Missouri's defense some, and then uh, you know on the defensive side of the ball keeping. Everybody that I've talked to this week, including uh, Jake Dickert, defensive coordinator, uh, Logan Wilson, and and some of their uh, defensive players this week, the biggest thing for them is trying to find a way to keep Kelly Bryant contained in the pocket because he is he is really really good at uh, evading pressure and breaking contain and, and extending plays outside of the pocket. And actually, Jake said that uh, you know he, he's most dangerous when he throws on the run. That's when he's more accurate. And this notion that Kelly Bryant can't throw the ball, uh, I mean, you just look at his stats. I didn't realize this until today, but Kelly Bryant, his career completion percentage is 66.2. That's higher than any completion percentage that Drew Locke had in any season at Missouri. And Drew Locke was pretty good. Uh, I mean, if we got any uh, listeners that are Broncos fans – you know they've uh, drafted him in the second round, uh, so I mean they're they're planning on that guy being the the uh, franchise quarterback for them for a while, and you know finished his career at Missouri last year as the second leading passer in program history. So, and Kelly Bryant's completion percentage is higher than that guy. So, you know he can if he gets outside of the pocket and he's not necessarily looking to run. Um, you know he's a guy that you know, will you know try to scramble and buy some more time to find receivers downfield. And uh, obviously, if you're doing that, uh, whether it's inside the pocket or outside the pocket, if Kelly Bryant has five, six seconds to throw the ball, scan the field, eventually he's going to throw somebody open. Uh, I mean, I know know, Wyoming's cornerbacks are are good. They're experienced. But you give any quarterback, any decent college quarterback that much time, they're eventually going to find an open receiver. Um, The challenge is keeping him in the pocket. And with – you know, not a whole lot of proven pass rushers uh, on this roster anymore with Carl Granderson gone and Johanna Gaffan and, and some of these guys. I mean, I know Garrett Crawl was there, uh, is back after leading them in sacks last year, but it only had four and a half. So it wasn't like the bar was set very high. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see if they get, if they say, you know what, I don't, sitting back in a zone, just rushing four, letting, giving him time. I don't know if that's going to work. He's probably just going to pick us apart. If we do that, you know what? Screw it. And, you know, Jake Dickert has said that they, they've got to, you know, give him different looks and mix up their coverages. But I wonder if they might go blitz heavy in this game and just try to put pressure on him, 
not give him that much time to scan the field, make him make quicker decisions, and play man defense on the back end. And, uh, you know, if, if you do that more, I'll go ahead and tell you. I mean, they're, they're going to get burned, you know, maybe once or twice. That, that tight end that they've got, I'll just call him Albert O because I can't pronounce his last name. But the dude's a preseason All-American. Uh, he's six foot five, 255 pounds, uh, but he runs like a receiver. So they use him in line. They use him at the slot. They even line him up outside. Uh, I mean, he's a matchup nightmare. And he's not the only one that they have to worry about. And they, I mean, they, they create mismatch problems all over the field with uh, their group of receivers. So, um, you know, if they do that, you're obviously taking a gamble. But I, I just wonder if, if, they, if their game plan is going to be, you know what, we're not going to give him time to pick us apart uh, for four quarters. So I'd be very interested to see on both sides of the ball exactly what uh, their game plan ends up being. Yeah, first play of the game, double reverse pass. Calling it now. Wyoming for Missouri? No, Wyoming. Roll the uh, dice. Okay. First time. Who's throwing get... it? Who's 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 throwing it? Rocket. Okay. I go. You heard it here first. Rocket ends up throwing it, and it's 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 back to Sean Chambers, who is thirty five yards downfield on a wheel route after he pitches it off on the double reverse. All right. <laughs> this. All right, that that'd be a hell of a way for them to start. That's what I'm saying. Um. <laughs> Yeah. No, it, it better work though. Oh man, it w- of course it would work. Are you kidding me? That play works every time. <laughs> uh, just yeah. that- <laughs> those are all, those those are those are all. That also sounds like a scenario where you try to get too cute out of the gate, trying to establish momentum, and uh, you know make that home run play, and then it it, it gets picked off and returned for pick six. I don't know. It's worked every time I've seen it. At least, um, well, not every time I've On seen NCAA it. NCAA football. On the NCAA football game? Uh, no, sir. Check your history. <laughs> Eric Crouch for a touchdown. Nebraska did it. Um, and Crouch's Heisman Trophy winning season. So think about it much. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma tried to do it like that same game like a couple of quarters earlier. And I think I think the guy had to just throw it away because it was incomplete. But um, he, the, the quarterback was open, but he didn't have time to throw. Um but in real quick, just to kind of underline what you were saying um, uh, regarding the lines, um, I I remember being there and covering Washington State at War Memorial last year, and we we know Craig Bull likes to say that he doesn't believe in a group of five versus a power five, but there are like a certain elite groups of uh, programs that stand up. Uh, yeah, I, b- I believe in it. Yeah, right. I strongly believe in it. Right. Um, but he even said, like, Washington State was one of those groups. Folks, the the clearest l- distinction that you can draw outside of the college football playoff itself for a group of five versus a p- power five is on the line. The power five teams just have a bigger, better they, – they have the pick – they have the cream of the crop in terms of linemen and size – stature and speed and i in washington state is not a big bulky run it down your throat kind of team they're they're gonna they're not missouri either yeah they're not missouri they're, they're gonna throw it 55 you know they're they're gonna throw it 55 60 times a game but even just watching yeah. it washington state's line was just so much bigger and stronger and powerful than wyoming's and wyoming kind of held in general held its own until about you know two minutes into the fourth quarter and then everything fell apart but the but all that kind of started on the line because Washington State's line started winning that battle that because Wyoming just kind of got wore down that's only going I see that as only getting exacerbated earlier because Missouri is strong runs a little bit more of a smash mouth approach than Washington State does. I know Missouri's not really a smash-mouth team, per se, but they, they're they going to go more in between the tackles than Washington State did. And their their line yeah. is built for that. So Wyoming is, yeah. in addition to having to try to contain Kelly Bryant and not let him pick them apart, they're also going to have to make sure that the Tigers don't get four and a half yards of carry. Because... You you bring yeah that that's that could legitimately I was just gonna say that could legitimately happen. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you brought up a really good point because lost in all the Ke- Kelly Bryant hoopla and, and you know all the attention that that he's gotten uh, coming in, 
Larry Roundtree, their running back, yeah. is no slouch. He's he's rushed for 1,900 yards in two seasons yeah. and has uh, very quietly done so. But he's a guy that isn't a household name right now. But, you know, I mean, I would venture to say he's probably one of the top four or five running backs in the SEC right now that nobody's really heard of outside of Columbia, Missouri. So, yeah, they're – I mean, they're, they're going to try to run the ball and, uh, you know, set that up. And if, if Wyoming can't stop it, I mean, it's – obviously that's going to create a ton more problems when you can uh, – you know, you're, you're having to worry about uh, containing the run and then they, they can go play action and you get him outside the pocket. He can throw or run. I mean, it's, it's going to cause all kind of problems. But um, another aspect to this game that I'm going to – I'll be interested to see is – for all their firepower and offense, Missouri was dead last in the SEC in passing yards allowed last year. And the question is, is Wyoming a team that can take advantage of that? Now, look, last year was last year. Uh, they may very well be better um, in the secondary. Uh, you know, they've got a corner, Demarcus AC, that's actually um, getting some buzz as a, a guy that could go in the top half of next year's NFL draft. Uh, he's a really long corner. He goes about 6'2", and, uh, you know, NFL teams love that, that length and that size. But, um, you know, is Wyoming going to be able to take advantage of that? We, you know, we don't know. We'll see. See what the passing game looks like. Uh, see if that offensive line can uh, can give him time. Um, you know, a lot. obviously there's a lot of elements that go into that, but that is – if there's one vulnerability – uh, with this Missouri team, it is uh, their pass defense. And, um, you know, whether Wyoming is a team that could take advantage of that, particularly coming off uh, what they showed last year, uh, still to be determined. So, um, you know, that, that that's going to be something to watch as well. Yeah, you know, and exactly. the pat, But even Missouri's pass defense considered – Missouri's run game, Missouri's dynamic quarterback, their their line, their passing game, all of, this is this is why, dude. I am saying I'm taking the over on Missouri to win this because that I mean, folks, again to underline it, matchup nightmare. I mean, Wyoming's going to need stops, and on paper, in order to get stops, they're going to need to force some turnovers. That's just, I mean. That's just yes. the way things look like, you know? And, like, I mean, of course, you, you said it a couple minutes earlier as well. They're going to need to force turnovers. So, that's, I mean, again, I don't want to be, like, grim and, and naysayer, all you Cowboys fans. Um, but it is, like, my birth month still, kind of. So, like, and none of you Venmoed me. So, um, y'all deserve this. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be rough, but... I don't. I'm not one for moral victories, but if you can get a moral victory, uh, be looking for one Saturday at War Memorial. Yeah. Well, Brady, let's uh, let's go ahead and make some predictions. Uh, I'm not going to predict game by game, but I'll give a uh, I'm going to give an overall record of what I what I think Wyoming is going to finish this year. You uh, you want to make one or no? Yeah, I'll do one. All right, go ahead. Go All right. Ahead. Um, for just for Missouri or just Wyoming? No, I'm just talking about the overall season, like a record. What you think they'll? How you think they'll finish? All right. Well, I I think they'll make a bowl game. Um, let me add up. Okay. Do they have twelve game twelve games again? Yep. Just okay. like every year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I on, I. Man. I, I just don't feel like they have enough to predict a Mountain West Championship game berth. There's just too yeah. many. There's just too many moving parts. But I will say that they'll. I will say they go seven and five and get back to a bowl game. Um, I see. Oh man. I see Missouri. I see. Um, I'll, I even say the Missouri, Tulsa, um, Boise. And San Diego State, and I think Air Force too. I think those are going to be Wyoming's five losses. Okay. Is that it? You done? I think yeah, yeah. I think that okay. that's right. Missouri's one, Tulsa's two, San Diego State is three, 
um, Boise is four and Air Force is five. Yeah, that's that's okay. how I see it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the only reason I was like, oh, man, is because I did not expect you to pick the same record that I was going to predict. Ooh! Uh, yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've thought about this and just with taking everything into account, you know, seeing what little we get to see of them, you know, right. on the practice field during camp and the schedule and everything else. Uh, yeah, I, I think this team, I think I'm predicting seven and five for Wyoming and, and getting back to a bowl. Um, and really, there, there's a couple reasons for this because I, I, I do think uh, I thought about going higher in the win total because um, I, I really like – we've talked about this in the past in, in some of our earlier podcasts this summer. There's, there's seven, their first seven games are very manageable. I mean, when, once you get past Missouri, five of their next six games are against teams that finished with losing records last season. And again, yeah. last year was last year. It doesn't have anything to, to do with this year. We'll see if some of these teams are better. But here's what I know. Idaho, they just went back, dropped from FBS to FCS last season, still had a losing record. That's a bad football team. New Mexico, yeah. that's a bad football team. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go game by game, but I, I will say, you know, I've already said Missouri, I think, is going to be a loss, likely. Um, and then I'll give them Idaho and New Mexico. Um, if we're sitting here talking in five or six weeks, talking about uh, them losing to Idaho and New Mexico, then the rest of this is a moot point because something went terribly wrong. This team was not nearly as good or as improved as everybody thought they would be. And, uh, that, you know, Craig Bowl will have to uh, you know, stare at himself in the mirror and, and ask himself some hard questions as to, as to what happened because they're losing those two games. I mean, this team – uh, you're probably looking at a four or five win season. Uh, I think that would almost be worst case scenario. Um, Tul- you mentioned Tulsa. You mentioned Idaho. They go to Texas State. Who? I mean that I, 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 that game's not going to be easy for them. I mean Texas State's got one of the most experienced defenses in in the FBS. Uh, their top ten tacklers all back from last season. But I think that's a game Wyoming should win. Um, if you're if you're the kind of team and and projecting to have the kind of season uh, or a bowl season. I mean, that's a game you have to go win. Uh, you open Mountain West play against UNLV at home. Um, you know, your, your toughest game after Missouri is going to be on the road at San Diego State um, that second week of October. But then you get to come back home and play in New Mexico. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see Wyoming favored in every single one of those games uh, after Missouri other than maybe San Diego State. And obviously, you know, San Diego State going on the road, that's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, Rocky Long, that program, it's going to be interesting to see what, what that offense looks like. Now that they're going from, you know, that pro-style system to more of a spread this year. Uh, but you know they're always going to be physical. They're going to play good defense. They're not going to beat themselves. So you're going to have to play well uh, on the road at, in San Diego to, to pull that one out. But that's not a game that I'll look at and say they cannot win that game. I mean, I think it's winnable if they go there and, and play well. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not ruling out, um, you know, a, a five and two, possibly a six and one start. And if that happens, then you're then you got to reassess the expectations for this year, uh, because I mean, they they obviously that that could yeah. set them up for something special. Um, you know, at that point, probably what mid to late October. Um, but you know, I, I think at worst case. You need to get out of those four, first seven games, four and three. Uh, if you're talking, if, if realistically you want to make a bowl game because, uh, you know, that schedule turns into a bear in November uh, with, you know, back-to-back road trips to uh, Boise and Utah State and then ending the season at Air Force, which obviously is never easy dealing with that triple option offense. But, um, so, but I, I mean, you they they have a chance with those first seven games uh, to really make some hay, and I, I do think they're that that's going to set them up to um, you know really uh, make a run at at a uh, a bowl another bowl eligible season if not more. The the concern that I have for them and and, and if you're a Wyoming fan or Craig Bowl uh, and that coaching staff is the lack of depth that you have right now on the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you can sit here and talk about Sean Chambers being improved and, you know, needing more out of the receivers. And, 
Um, you know, having a, a a good solid back seven right now on defense with with your senior linebackers and your those senior corners they have, but. You know, games at at every level, as long as football is played, will be won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a team that lost five defensive linemen off their two deep. You've already lost Ravante Holt for the year. Uh, Offensive line, you lost a couple starters from last year. Uh, You've already lost two projected starters for the season with knee injuries back in the spring. Um, You know, you've got a true freshman right now and Latrell Bible, who's listed as the backup center. Um, so, and, you know, that's not saying that some of these guys can't get it done, uh, but you're asking a lot of guys uh, on the defensive line who are, you know, some are redshirt freshmen, even some true freshmen, um, to take a significant step in their development quickly uh, to give you some quality depth. And I just, I just wonder if – Again, not saying it can't happen. They may have some some dudes that emerge and give them that that depth that they need on you know on the offensive and defensive lines. But if it gets to a point during the year where they can't, that doesn't develop, and they're not you know happy with those younger players' development, and they just can't trust them, and you end up sticking with a you know an eight man rotation on the defensive line or a six or seven man rotation on the offensive line. Um, you know, you're, you're another significant injury or two away from things becoming dire, you know, in the line of scrimmage in terms of your depth. Um, so, I mean, that, that's obviously a huge concern, and I just I just wonder if they're going to be able to hold up throughout the entire season, uh, you know, with, with some of those numbers and so much inexperience behind sure. their starters. You know, I think that offensive line um, and even that defensive line to an extent can, you know, with their starters can be among – you know some of the best units in the Mountain West, but it's it's your second team guys, it's some of your third team guys right, that yeah. right now are so young and so inexperienced that that are gonna that you're asking to take you know fill more significant roles, and you know we'll see how it progresses and how that turns out as the season goes on. But if if they don't get some of those younger guys to to uh, develop quickly and and get to a point where they can really help you. Uh, you know, that, that, that's going to be a concern for them all season long. Yeah, no, my, my prediction kind of comes with just the, <coughs> the the attrition that happens over the college football season. But obviously, like you said, it could – there becomes a tipping point with the considering the depth that Wyoming has on the line. If they can stay relatively healthy, they can really surprise some people. But if they're having to, you know, dig down deep and, you know uh, – reach down to the bottom of the the depth chart barrel if you will um to fill some bodies yeah. then um then yeah this might be a whole different season yeah and you're right if they happen to stay healthy and relatively healthy up front and considering again that that schedule in the first half of the season i mean i think they could i think they could really make some hay and and possibly find themselves in contention uh for a mount for a mountain division championship come you know late October. Um, but you, like you said, I mean, it's called, it's football. Attrition is going to happen. And the first place it's going to happen is, is on, along the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, asking, you know, every starter to, to stay healthy throughout 12 games. That's, I mean, that's almost unrealistic. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch and see if, see if some of those younger guys can come along. It's, that's that's the game, baby. That's the game. Yeah. So we can uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, you can uh, keep up with uh, all of our coverage at uh, trib.com, pokesauthority.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter um, at pokesauthority and at wild varsity. You can follow me on Twitter at davis e potter and follow Brady on the Twitter machine as well uh, at Brady Oltman's. Remember, don't quit listening. I am going to talk to uh, Gabe Duarman publisher of powermazoo.com here in the upcoming segment um but uh we will let that interview play through on the other side and in the meantime stay tuned in to trib.com and pokesauthority.com for all of our coverage leading up to uh saturday's game um and we also have our first pokes authority wrap that is going to publish uh in saturday's paper uh some of that content will be online starting today 
uh, including a story that I did uh, looking back at the first time and the only time so far that Wyoming has ever hosted uh, an SEC team. Uh, I'm sure uh, most of you know what I'm the game I'm talking about in the year, but I'm not going to give all the details on here because that wouldn't give me any, any incentive to read. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I talked to former Wyoming coach Joe Glenn, talked to Javon Bonite, uh, talked to Kevin McKinney, Wyoming's longtime uh, radio color analyst, um, about that game looking back. So that will it will be on uh, trib.com and postauthority.com today, along with all the advanced advanced content that you need getting uh, getting you ready for the season opener uh, against Missouri. Uh, so Brady, appreciate you joining me, and uh, appreciate all of you guys for joining me as well. We will speak to you guys again next week and break down what happened in the season opener and stay tuned for our conversation with Gabe York. Welcome back into the postcast, and now we have got a special guest, uh, Gabe DeArmond, publisher of PowerMizzou.com, joins us to break down Missouri and uh, talk about the Tigers heading into this season, um, heading into Saturday's game against Wyoming. Obviously, a lot of high expectations there in Columbia, just with uh, Kelly Bryant taking over at quarterback and some of the um, players that they have back from last season. But, uh, Gabe, are you... uh, you ready to uh, experience Laramie? I am. I'm ready to, uh, to get up and see it for the first time. I've been to Cheyenne. I've never been uh, west of there. I am a little concerned. I land late Friday night in Cheyenne, and all the rental car places are closed, so I don't get to actually have transportation until Saturday morning. But other than that, I'm excited about the whole thing. Um, well, I guess let's just start with what everybody's talking about with Kelly Bryant. Um, you know, how will, how will this offense, you know, be, be different under him and kind of what, what, what are his strengths just from, from what you've seen and what, what you've heard from maybe him and, and Barry Odom there? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think Missouri got worse at quarterback this year, uh, but I think they can be better as an offense, uh, because Drew Locke obviously had the NFL arm there a lot of people out there out that way who probably now will root for him uh, in the coming season. Uh, but the, the one thing you had to respect when you played Missouri is we can never be deep enough because he can throw it over our head. And that's not the case anymore. Um, they're going to have probably a, a more traditional passing game than they have, take, take fewer deep shots. But they ought to be one of the better running teams in the SEC. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be Alabama or Georgia on the ground, but Larry Roundtree ran for 1,200 last year. Kelly Bryant is a guy, I mean, you watch him in practice, he is, for a quarterback, he is fast. Yeah. He's got a lot of speed, and he'll be a threat there, um, both on design runs and, and when plays break down. So I, I think the easiest way to say it is the past couple of years, Missouri has thrown the football to set up its running game, and I think this year it might lean more on running the ball to open up the passing game for running. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he. I think they're, they've got three of their top four receivers back from last year, correct? I think that's right. Yeah, Emmanuel Hall is is gone, and he was was very important to the. I mean, he missed five games with injury, and I think they went one and four without him, went seven and one with him last year. Uh, so obviously, he, he's a big loss. But they have Jonathan Johnson back, who has been very consistent for three years. They've got Al, Albert Okuebunam at tight end, who is a preseason All-American. He actually missed the last five games of last season, but he is a matchup nightmare at, at tight end. And then they've got Jalen Knox, who 
was the SEC freshman of the week twice in his first six games last year, and then really just kind of hit a freshman ball and, and didn't do much in the last five or six games of the season. But got all those guys, got a couple more kids that played last year, and then, then uh, got a graduate transfer from Arkansas and then Jonathan Vance that they're pretty excited about. And the true freshman who made the two deep named Maurice Massey, who probably is, is going to see a decent amount of action on Saturday. Yeah, I wanted to to hit on uh, the tight end because, uh, and I'll I'll leave the last name to you because I'll probably butcher it. But yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll just re- do what everybody else doesn't refer to him as Albert O. But uh, you know, talking obviously, you know, a guy like that, uh, you mentioned being a nat- matchup nightmare, and and uh, that that's the case for everybody. But just talking to the some of the players here and Jake Dickert while I'm his defensive coordinator, he was just talking about, you know, they, first of all, they've got to just find out where he is, you know, line up at uh, in line at tight end or in the slot or even outside. I'm just, have you, I mean, and you're, I know you've been at, covering Missouri a long time, but have you, have you ever covered a skill player that that's a, as versatile and has his, a, the ability that, that that guy has? Yeah. When Chase Daniel was here, they went to the spread offense. It was actually what helped uh, Dick Christensen get the Wyoming job, to be honest. Uh, then Martin Rucker, whose brother played in the NFL, and Martin played a little bit in the NFL, but he was he was pretty similar to Albert O. I mean, he was 250, but like the very tight end, people didn't like to vote for him for all conference and stuff like that because they weren't tight ends. They never had their hands on the ground. I mean, they were always split out wide, but Rucker was a Mackey Award finalist. The next year, Chase Kaufman, who is actually the leading receiver in Missouri history, won the Mackey Award. And then a couple years after that, Michael Agnew was a, a Mackey finalist and was the third-round draft pick of the Dolphins. So there's been a history at that position uh, at Missouri here in the last 10, 15 years. And, and Albert O is in the same mold as a lot of those guys. Now, there are, you know, a lot of people think he's a first- or second-round draft pick. He had an opportunity to go pro last year, and I think he will be a first- or second-round draft pick. But he's also a guy who has a lot to improve to get to that level. But it's not necessarily stuff that, that he has to improve this year because his biggest asset for Missouri is just catching passes and running away from people. I mean, he had, he had three touchdowns against Vanderbilt last year, and one of them was a, a pass over the middle where he just outran the defense for the last 45, 50 yards. And there aren't a lot of 250-pound guys who can do that. Yeah. Um so and I know there's you know with with Kelly at quarterback and obviously Albert and some of these skill players they have on offense and um, you know being one more year uh, experienced on defense obviously a lot of expectations you know going into this year and I know that Missouri is a sexy pick to sort of contend with uh, Georgia and Florida and the SEC East this year is that is that the expectation is that what you think this this team should do this year? Line of scrimmage obviously is a huge deal at any level of football, but you know, having covered the SEC myself at a point, I mean, it's just—I mean, those guys are <laughs> just bigger. It seems like bigger, stronger, faster, and, and uh, you know, a lot more depth at that position. And uh, you know, it seems like those that really determines games, particularly in that league. I'm just curious what what the depth is like and, and the talent for Missouri on the on the offensive and defensive fronts. Tristan Colombo 
left guard and the right tackle. Uh, so, you know, we'll see a little bit there. Um, but they have guys that they feel pretty good about. The defensive line is, is that's where Missouri kind of got known. That's what Missouri got known for for quite a while. I mean, they dubbed themselves D-line too. And they had a lot of, a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, pretty early in the NFL draft, going way back to 2006. It has been down the last couple of years. Uh, they, the problem for this team is figuring out a way to get a pass rush. They didn't do it very much last year and uh, therefore had a terrible pass defense. Jordan Elliott is uh, transferred from Texas. Last year was the first year he played here. The last game of the season, he had three sacks against Arkansas. And the coaches think he's going to be good enough that this is going to be his last year in Columbia. But he has to go do it consistently. You know, we, we saw flashes, but we didn't see it all the time. Defensive end is a big question mark, and Trajan Jeffcoat, who was probably going to be a starter as a true sophomore, had an elbow injury on the first day of camp. He hasn't practiced since. He will not play this weekend. Uh, so, you know, defensive end is, is going to be interesting. Now, in this particular matchup, Especially with, with uh, Wyoming going with what they did at quarterback, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the way you beat Missouri last year was to throw the football all over them. Uh, teams that, that wanted to line up and run it, Missouri just stopped the run pretty well last year. They had problems with the pass. So it'll be interesting to see uh, you know what Craig Bowl wants to do offensively. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see that myself, uh, just because, you know, that is where Missouri is vulnerable is through the air and that's just something Wyoming didn't do very well last year, but they are, you know, breaking a new quarterback who I think should be a lot better as a passer. But um you know, obviously when teams come to Wyoming, the the elevation here is a storyline. I'm just curious if, if Barry or any of the players have talked about maybe what they're trying to do to try to prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, I guess it helps. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that it, Ryan Walker, their defensive coordinator, he played in Colorado, grew up in Colorado, and he just flat out said he said, that's over Like, I am not. But, you know, Barry and Derek Dooley both said, hey, it is something that we talked about. Just if we would talk about it, if it was going to be 12 degrees or 112 degrees, you know, it's one of the things you're going to have to deal with. I, I think if you're looking at it from Missouri's perspective, the idea should be, you're the SEC team, you should be deeper. So maybe if your normal rotation is your defensive lineman play seven plays and get three plays off, maybe in this game that goes down to six and four. Uh, maybe you need your second stringers a little bit more than, than you would need them in, in some other games that were played in normal conditions. Um, I, people are making a big deal out of it because it's unique. I, I tend to think if you know that becomes a problem for Missouri, then So what what are what's Barry and, and maybe some of the players? What are they saying about Wyoming? Is there anything that concern concerning to them about them and just going into this matchup? I'm sorry, saying about what? Uh, about just Wyoming in general. Uh, because this team isn't isn't good enough to to overlook any legitimate division. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Wyoming should be fairly competitive in this game, but yeah, I don't. Wyoming's not winning this game. I mean, people that or listen to this can be mad at me if they want to, but I mean, that would. I mean, unless you know, Missouri catches the uh, you know some sort of sickness or you know have a bunch of dudes that just end up don't play on Saturday. How did that? It won't happen. But yes. talk about this NCAA ruling for a minute at Missouri yeah because obviously as you mentioned it's a storyline and obviously the kind of the elephant in the room when it comes to Missouri this season but um, you know for uh, I don't assume Wyoming people have kept that uh, you know up with what's been going on there too much but um, yeah Missouri does have a postseason ban for this year for um and Gabe, you can com- correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but a tutor that completed coursework for, I believe, 12 football players? 12 but, athletes overall. Okay. So 10 football players, a softball player, and a baseball player. Okay. Um, so wh- I know Missouri is obviously appealing this and hoping to get this overturned, but wh- where does this stand? And do you any idea when they should be expecting some sort of decision on this? Yes. His appeal one day before Missouri did a year ago and got a decision on November 1st. So the truth is, it could literally come down while we're recording this, and it could come down in November. I, we have no idea. The interesting thing is going to be when the final ruling does come down, whatever it is, how it impacts this team. Because they said all the right things. You know, we can only control what we can control. We know we get 12 games. time the NCAA cares about timing and how it is affecting this uh, team season will be a first 
Um, One thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this too, but one thing I never really understood about that is, didn't the NCAA come back and say, uh, you know, once the when once their investigation was finished and they found out what what it bared out, weren't they the ones that said that this tutor acted rogue and Missouri didn't know about it? So what what is the difference? Because I looked at the same thing you're talking about and said, wait a minute. Now, Missouri's case and Mississippi State's case are virtually identical. I feel like the punishment, whatever the NCAA feels like it is, is deems fit for that crime, it should be the same for both cases. I mean, what what was what's the difference? I just, I just, for the life of me, I can't figure out why you would punish uh, a, a, a an entire program when you were the one that said, "Well, nobody inside it knew about it. This person went rogue." I think that's the biggest uh, gripe with people that aren't don't like the NCAA, and I am I am firmly in that boat. Is the fact that it just seems to there seems to be no uh, consistency and really no precedent for some of these cases. It just you know just whichever way the wind's blowing, almost they. Yeah, I mean, look, Kate Martell is playing in 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't I don't get it, but... All right, man. Well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, spending some time with me and breaking down Missouri. Yeah. yeah, man. Safe travels. I appreciate it. All right.